naysayers are back, uh, the usual suspects, and this time, one of them is even a reporter for Fox News. I wish I had a dime for every time someone predicted that Donald Trump was finished. I'd probably be very wealthy by now. But in the aftermath of Herschel Walker's loss, disappointing though it is, uh, in the Georgia Senate runoff, people naturally, uh, the naysayers, the people who don't like him to begin with, wish to blame Donald Trump for the loss. And they're citing this as the latest installment in the proof that he's toxic to the Republican Party and that the only good he has is motivating Democrats to come out uh, and vote against Republicans. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if any of them would ever say the same thing about Hillary Clinton, because she was very motivating for the Republican base. Uh, Anytime she reared her head, they'd come out, but that didn't prevent them from running that old bag twice. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to the next installment of the Jamie Dury Show podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show, and you can do so in one of several easy ways. You can either go to the Google Play Store, the iTunes App Store, and simply search out the Jamie Dury Show and subscribe directly using the native podcast aggregator app on your device, or you can download the free Podbean app at either of those two locations. Podbean is our hosting service. Either way you subscribe, you'll be able to leave reviews, comments, rate the show. Uh, You can always email me a question at jamiedury1776 at gmail.com. However you subscribe, by all means, subscribe. And please share the podcast with your friends. Recommend that they listen. We are living in a time where we have an ever-increasingly corrupt and biased media. And people who wish to get accurate information are turning to alternative sources, which is why podcasts have grown so incredibly. It's estimated over 54 million Americans get their information and their news via podcasts, and I'm proud to be one of those podcasters, so please subscribe. Please, by all means, subscribe. Well, since they're predicting his demise, I thought it would be interesting to look at some numbers. We have an opinion piece here written by a woman named Lee's Peak. I didn't have time to do a deep, deep drill down on Lee's Peak herself, although I probably, uh, probably should have. But uh, it'd be interesting to do. But I could almost guarantee you that if I did do a drill down, I'd find out that she's an anti-Trumper. No surprise there. So let me just read a little bit, a few pull quotes here. Quote, Having suffered the rare humiliation of failing to win a second term in the Oval Office and having cost his party a majority in the Senate three times, it is time for Donald Trump to step away from politics. It is the right thing to do for his party, for the country, and for himself. Mr. Trump will not win another election. His most glaring political strength today is his ability to energize Democrats, causing not only historic turnout, but attracting gushers of campaign cash for the opposition. Well, Ms. Peake, let me give you an education, because you may have been very, very interesting when you worked on Wall Street. That much I was able to find out about you, and you may have been knowledgeable in the oil industry, but you don't know jack squat about politics. First of all, a candidate's personal popularity does not always translate 
into endorsement strength. And if you want proof of that, you need do nothing more than look at Barack Obama. Barack Obama was the darling of the media, and I'm sure you're one of those women who got a thrill uh, down the pants leg whenever he spoke, as the term was described. Barack Obama has an abysmal endorsement uh, rate. In 2018, his success rate was 68%, one of his better years. In 2019, his success rate was 53%. Um, In 2021, his success rate was 59%. And in 2022, his success rate was 74%. But that's only because in those years, he was endorsing a dwindling number of candidates. In 2018, uh, he got 68%. That was arguably his best year because he endorsed 342 candidates in the general election. In the other three years, 22, 21, and 19, he only endorsed double digits in the teens, 17, 19, and one, one year, 22. In 2020, the most recent year when he endorsed a large number of candidates, 228 to be exact, his success rate in the general election was 40%. This from a guy who they said was the end-all and be-all. Well, let's look at Donald Trump. These are Donald Trump's endorsements. I think that's for this year. He made over 200 endorsements in the Republican primaries. Notable wins, a few significant losses, but notable wins. Trump's track record of endorsement victories and defeats are seen by many as the indication of his strength in the Republican Party. Well, as I just said, A person's personal strength doesn't always translate into endorsements, so it usually can be expected that his personal popularity will be greater than his endorsement strength. But most of Trump's endorsed candidates across the U.S. House, Senate, and various statewide races, they're saying ran unopposed or ran against political neophytes. I don't know that that's exactly true. These are what you're getting from these sites. But um, I have the actual numbers here. In the House, Trump backed 130 incumbents. Sorry, he backed 131 incumbents. 130 of them won, one lost. He backed six challengers. Four of them won, two of them lost. That's a 66% win on challengers, but even higher overall. In open races... In other words, endorsements where they were open seats. Trump endorsed 18 candidates. 16 won, two lost. The Senate, 10 of the Trump-backed incumbents won, zero losses. In the Senate, in open races, 10 wins, zero losses. These are in primaries. So Trump had a lot of strength. And in the general, he didn't do quite as good. But Trump had a lot of strength. But again, this is not representative of his personal strength. And when he's on the ballot, 
those endorsements are worth even more because people generally run down the row. Uh, That's one of the main reasons why I think Dr. Oz lost in Pennsylvania. Not simply because Trump wasn't on the ballot, but because the governor uh, candidate for the GOP, Mastriano, ran an an unintelligent, ill-advised race. He made abortion too much of a major issue, and it didn't have to be. And because of that, a lot of people rejected him uh, by a significant margin. And because he got fewer people clicking on his lever or writing him down in in the column, Fewer people went down that column in the ballot uh, to vote for the down-ballot candidates. So he was hurt, I believe, Dr. Oz, by the um, foolish campaign that Doug Mastriano ran. He came very, very close, and I think uh, he should be congratulated for the, for the uh, campaign he ran. As far as Herschel Walker, he was not a politician. Warnock had the advantage of the incumbency. There was a lot of money that was spent there, and we still don't know how much, if any, chicanery was done, but it was a very, very close, close race. So I'm not going to blame that on on Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump is a far better endorser than Barack Obama ever was. And nobody is saying that Barack Obama should sit out, and nobody's telling Hillary Clinton she should sit out, but they all want to say that Trump should sit out. There's a reason why these people want Trump to sit out. They're afraid of Trump. They're afraid of him winning. And if he wasn't someone who could win, if he could never truly win another election, as Ms. Peake predicts, why are so many people trying to take him down? Why not let the man run, let him fall on his face and be done with it, if that's what you believe is going to happen? Because that's not what they believe is going to happen. And that's why they're doing everything they can special prosecutors, raids on Mar-a-Lago to try and see that this man can't run. And for a secondary reason, to send a message to any other patriotic American who's fed up with the sewer Washington has become and wants to run for office to straighten it out as a political outsider. They want what they did to Donald Trump to stand as a ringing example. Let this be an example to you of what's going to happen to you if you try and invade our little closed club. That's the United States of America. So, so much for those who are writing Donald Trump's epitaph. Not going to happen. But there's another story today that uh, sort of sucked the oxygen out of me. And I thought I would uh, bring it up. I'm sure you're all aware by now of the WNBA star, Women's National Basketball Association star, Uh, Brittany Griner, who was arrested in February of this year by Russian customs officials after they found cartridges containing hashish oil oil in her luggage. She was entering Russia to play with the Russian Premier League during the WNBA offseason. Now, you know you're going to a communist country. Why are you bringing illicit drugs? She went to trial on July 1st. She pleaded guilty to the charges. Now, I don't know why she pleaded guilty. Perhaps she was advised to do so. Maybe she thought nothing was going to happen to her. But she was sentenced to nine years. Nine years in prison. In November, she was transferred to the Russian penal colony IK-2, where you have to work. 
Now, U.S. officials have maintained that she was wrongfully detained, and they've been trying to work on a release for Ms. Griner. But let's put that on hold. Griner's been in prison just since February. She's been in custody since February. She's only been in the penal colony since November. Now, why do I say put it on hold? Because since 2018, another American has been in Russian prison. His name is Paul Whalen. Now, Paul Whalen is a former Marine, joined the Marine Reserve. Now, he doesn't have the most stellar career. He was dishonorably discharged from the Corps after a court-martial, but it wasn't a court-martial for a crime of violence. It was a court-martial based on charges of attempted larceny, dereliction of duty, using someone else's Social Security number, and writing bad checks. But he also did serve in Iraq in Operation uh, Iraqi Freedom. He served as a law enforcement officer in the United States, left that to join the Corps and become part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And he apparently uh, must have given a good account of himself, and apparently those people who looked into his court-martial must have thought that he got a raw deal because the company Borg Warner. Now, Borg Warner is a very well-known, highly thought-of manufacturer of uh, automotive parts. They're an international company. Whalen, at the time of his arrest, was the director of global security and investigations for this firm. That's not a, a small, insignificant job. That's a pretty nice corporate job that many people would like to have. And I don't believe corporations hire people that they think are tainted or uh, incompetent. Now, he apparently went to, to Russia, also very fluent in Russia, went to Russia supposedly to attend a, a wedding of a friend or something. He was arrested in Moscow by the Russian Federation Security Service. Supposedly, he had uh, a flash, a USB drive in his possession containing a list of all of the employees at a classified security agency. Uh, in Russia. This was reported by an independent Latvian publication called Medusa. Okay. Now, apparently, all the wedding attendees that were going to this wedding that Whalen was there to attend kind of stayed close together and was, were surprised that he was spending the day alone, the day that he got arrested. And they're trying to say that he bragged about knowing this person, bragged about knowing this person, that person. Uh, but apparently, a person that he knew, a longtime friend uh, in Russia, uh, showed up at his hotel, I think, and gave him this USB drive. And then he was subsequently arrested. Now, Russian secrecy rules do not allow his lawyers to identify who this longtime Russian friend is. But the family of Whalen has identified the person as someone named Ilya Yatsenko whom the Russian newspaper Commerçant described as a major in the FSB Department K, which monitors Russian economic crimes. Now, apparently, uh, Whalen thought he was just getting a USB drive that had 
personal information on it, photographs, videos, all about his previous holiday that he had spent in Russia. He was convicted back in June of 2020, and he was sentenced to 16 years in a Russian prison for espionage. Not much has been done since 2018 and 2020. Overtures have been made, but not much has been done to get him out. The Russians, meanwhile, are very interested in someone that we have in prison here by the name of Victor Bout. Now, who is Victor Bout? Victor Bout is otherwise known as the Merchant of Death. He's an international arms dealer. He's quite the entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. He's a former Soviet military translator. And he uses his multiple companies to smuggle weapons and other goods since the collapse of the Soviet Union from Eastern Europe to Africa and the Middle East. And he did this all through the 90s and the early 2000s. He even supplied arms to, um, in the struggle in Afghanistan. He's done a lot. He was arrested in a sting operation in March of 2008 in Thailand on charges of terrorism by the Royal Thai Police in cooperation with our American law enforcement agencies and European Europe's Interpol. He was extradited to the United States. He was charged and he was convicted in November of 2011 by a jury in Manhattan Federal Court of conspiracy to kill U.S. citizens and officials, delivery of anti-aircraft missiles, and providing aid to a terrorist organization. He was sentenced to the minimum of 25 years imprisonment because the crime was due to the sting operation. So he has a minimum of 25 years. Now, the Russians have been wanting to get this fellow back. And we, of course, have people that we want to get out of prison, such as this fellow Whalen, or so I thought, and there's been a public clamor to get uh, this woman, Brittany Griner, out of prison. It sort of reminds me of that movie Bridge of Spies with Tom Hanks, where he's going to be sent over to Russia to negotiate the release of a pilot that was shot down during the Cold War, American pilot, and this Russian spy who was arrested in New York. And there's some innocent kid... Uh, American that was arrested in East Germany that's caught up in the mix and the CIA, CIA wants them to forget about him and just make sure he gets um, the um, uh, the pilot exchanged for this Russian spy, Abel. But Tom Hanks, playing the part of the lawyer that's sent over there, Donovan, he insists on bringing them both home, and he does. The Biden administration sort of got it backwards. The person we should be looking to get home when they couldn't just get one person, we should have gotten both maybe, but the person we should have been looking to get home was the former Marine, Paul Whelan. Instead, the Biden administration listens to the Russians, uh, believes that they're not going to let him go, taking a hard line, allows Whelan to languish there, and instead orchestrates the release of Brittany Griner this WNBA basketball star. So now it's instructive to look a little bit into uh, Brittany Griner because she's an interesting character. Brittany Griner is a professional basketball player 
work, uh, playing for the Phoenix Mercury in the Women's National Basketball League here in the United States. She's had a charmed life. She played college basketball, uh, basketball for Baylor in Texas. She's the only NCAA basketball player to, uh, to score 2,000 points and block 500 shots. In 2012, she was a three-time All-American. She was named to the AP Player of the Year and Most Outstanding Player of the Final Four. Back in 2009, she was named the nation's number one high school women's basketball player. Uh, she was selected to the Phoenix Mercury All-American Basketball Team. 2012, she received the Best Female Athlete ESPY Award. 2013, she signed an endorsement deal with Nike. She stands six foot nine, so she's a specimen. She wears a men's uh, American size 17 shoe and has an arm span of 87 and a half inches. She's led the United States women's national basketball team to victory in the Rio Olympics back in 2016. She's had a very nice life as a result of being an American citizen. America has been good to her. It's been given her a lot of opportunity, and I'm sure she's very, very wealthy because of it, uh, especially with these endorsements. But, because there's always a but, in 2020, this woman who has been a star and a great beneficiary of the American way of life protested the Star Spangled Banner. I'm going to assume that's because Donald Trump was president, but maybe not. Maybe because she just hates America. Protested the Star Spangled Banner and stated she would not be on the court while the national anthem was being played during game openers. She was named to the United States Women's National Team for the 2020 Olympics, notwithstanding, which was held in 2021 in Tokyo, where she won her second gold medal. So this woman who's gotten rich from the United States, has been made a star in the United States, refuses to stand up for the national anthem of the United States for reasons only known to her. Well, in February of 22, she got detained by the Russians because she brought drugs into Russia. Why the hell are we interested in getting this woman back? Are the... Phoenix Mercury organization making a big donation to the Democratic National Committee or the Democratic uh, campaign funds because they think she's worth a lot of money and they want her back. I didn't realize there was that much money in the WNBA. All these women's sports, they're all running around crying that they don't get paid what the men get paid. And they don't. But neither should they. They don't bring in the money that the men do. It's all about money, lady. It's all about money, folks. Professional sports is just that. It's professional. It's a business. It's a business for the players. It's a business for the owners. The owners pay what they pay because the players bring them what they bring them. This girl may be a great women's basketball player, but nobody wants to see her play in the same numbers that they want to see the men play. Do you think there are as many people in this country that want to see Brittany Griner play as want to see LeBron James play? That's why LeBron James makes what he makes, and that's why she makes what she makes. It's what the market will bear. But yet the Biden administration gave up Victor Bout, 
the arms dealer, to get this woman back. And they've left Paul Whelan languishing in a prison. Now, I don't think the President of the United States should be making a deal like this, and I don't think they should be bragging about it. Biden, she is safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. She will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones. And she should have been there all along. But Whalen's still in jail, according to this article in the Epic Times. Uh, he spoke to CNN on Thursday and said he's and, and very gracious on his part. He's sitting in a Russian jail. He says, I'm very happy for Griner's release, but I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release, especially as the four-year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. Now, this guy has an argument. He may not have had the most sterling military career, but here's the big difference. His lawyers believe he's innocent because there's been no evidence to support his conviction. They've looked at his, at his um, uh, material, and no evidence has been brought to prove his conviction. Whalen said that in, uh, in court that the case was a sham to use him to influence the United States. We have proven my innocence. We have proven fabrication. This is slimy, greasy Russian politics, nothing more. His own Russian lawyers believed that he was innocent. Quote, his attorney, Vladimir uh, Zarabenko, I presume that he is innocent because I haven't seen any evidence against him that would prove otherwise. So they really didn't produce any evidence against him. So the difference here is that as... Mr. Whalen has pointed out, I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. Whereas Briner was arrested for a crime that did occur. She did bring illicit substances into Russia. This man was not in possession of anything, and they didn't offer any proof to prove that he was. But the criminal justice system in Russia is far different from what it, here, it is here in the United States. And so now, just as they've screwed everything up, everything else up that they've done since they've taken office, the Biden administration has screwed this up. And so now they've gotten back Brittany Griner, a woman who wouldn't stand for the flag, wouldn't stand for the anthem, is contemptuous of the very country that has brought her all of her notoriety, fame, and wealth. But they let a military man who fought in Operation Iraqi Freedom languish in agony and despair. And the media, most of it, is perfectly fine with it. They advocated for getting this ungracious, ungrateful woman out of prison. I would have let her sit in that penal colony for a little while. I would have let her sit there long enough working in that thing until when she finally did get out, she gets off the plane and kisses the ground of the United States like she should. But we're living in a different time. I don't know if it'll ever get any better. In any event, I just felt compelled to tell you that little story. The backstory about Victor Bout, Paul Whelan, and the now free 
Brittany Griner, free to go on making a living, and a very good one, in the country that she despises. For The Jamie Dury Show, I'm Jamie Dury. <laughs>